Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. They settled. I mean, that's the top story right now. They settled, and it cost them $787 million. Is that the number right? I got that number right. $787 million. That's a fair amount of money. 787.5. Sorry. Sorry, didn't mean to didn't mean to screw it up for you. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Yeah, it's a that's a lot of it's a lot of coin. A tremendous amount of money. The question before us only comes down to one thing. Should they have settled? Was this a case where it was necessary for Fox News to say, you know what? The last thing in the world we want is this thing going to trial. The very last thing in the world that we would want is for this madness to see a courtroom. And if you're Dominion, what about the idea that we're really going to go up against the First Amendment here? Is this is this our plan? Is this our our super smart plan? We're going to have to say that the First Amendment, the freedom of speech doesn't apply to a news organization when discussing our company. Well, you you hear from from the uh the the people there and and they don't they don't seem too worried. They don't seem too concerned. Uh, about this, they I I think truly feel that they had this case well in hand, and when the Dominion uh, CEO was was speaking on on uh, ABC, I mean he just sounded like this was this was we were just going to wait for them to realize. We're joined now by the CEO of Dominion Voting Systems, John Poulos. Thank you for coming in. This morning, a lot of legal experts were surprised it took so long for this settlement to come about. What were the final sticking points? Um, Well, we weren't ready to settle until um, all of the facts that we had discovered had come to light in the public. Uh, That was something that we had committed to from the beginning. Uh, We had complete support uh, with our partners uh, and something that we owed to our customers. Were you surprised that Fox took so long? Uh, Personally, no, I wasn't surprised. Why not? the fact is that they published uh, falsehoods about us, um, and it wasn't just once or twice. It wasn't just on one day or two days. It was um, 20 statements made over uh, two and a half months, and uh, well, this was not the case of um, a media uh, company uh, pursuing the truth and making a mistake. Uh, they knew. 780. They knew. Now, that's where, where the crux is, right? In the end... That's where it all is. What did they know? Did they know that what they were saying was uh, was false? A legitimate conversation. A worthwhile and worthy conversation. And one that we should ask ourselves. What's the responsibility here? What responsibilities do we have to one another, what responsibilities do these organizations have 
you know, towards us. What responsibility do we have to demand from others that when they're sharing news with us, that they share the news properly? Now, I'm here to tell you that I think that there's a responsibility. As a guy who who does this for a living, I am here to tell you that there's a responsibility. That when you're sharing a story, involved in a story, engaged in a story, you have to be engaged properly to the very best of your ability. So when Fox discusses whether or not they should have settled, the conversation starts from there. What is it that we said? What is it that we said? Is there anything wrong with what we said? I want to say for the record that if you are going to take a look at Dominion voting systems, if you are going to engage a conversation about how they work and maybe issues with their software, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I still don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. I discuss a million things a day. I do six hours of radio a day. I'm always having a conversation. I'm discussing all sorts of stuff. Rational people are. You are. Of course you are. So we're here talking about things. Do I have to think that anything I say about a a, a company is somehow uh, a a reason for defamation? I'm in Indianapolis. I talk about the Indianapolis Colts, and I question the maneuvers of the general manager, Chris Ballard. Defamation? I mean, that's that's going to be a huge conversation going forward. My gosh, exactly how many people are going to be able to claim defamation this, defamation that, defamation the other, defamation, defamation your mother. Everything's freaking defamation. That's going to happen. This clip from Joy Reid, somebody tell me, how this isn't defamation how is it possible that this uh, this this was this was yesterday by the way this from joy reed her discussion of this case you tell me i want you to hear it for yourself uh you go to tonycats.locals.com you'll be able to see it for yourself you tell me how this isn't defamation it was easier than putting um, Tucker Carlson at all on the stand, Tim. I mean, the reality is their business model is to continue to lie about democracy, to stoke hate and even violent rage. I mean, we are seeing January 6th defendants say they were radicalized by Fox News. Mm-hmm. You're seeing them constantly touting Black Lives Matter as some evil entity. And then voila, you have people who think they ought to shoot Black Lives Matter people or shoot at them. You have young black man go to a door and someone who we don't know what he watches on TV, but you you know, it wouldn't shock me if he was watching a lot of black people or violent thugs. And if the one comes to my door, I'm going to kill him. So you combine a lot of guns and a lot of people who are literally being radicalized by a television network. There is no incentive for them to stop doing it, because if they don't do it, Newsmax is out there. OANN is out there. You saw just the threat of those networks rising cause them to dig deeper and to double down on the big lie. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how that isn't defamation. I don't know how that isn't. You just accused an entire network of trying to go out and murder black people. Wow. But I'm going to leave that to the lawyers. I'm going to leave that to others uh, to to, to figure out. 
But it seems to me that this case hasn't changed how people are going to engage. As a matter of fact, I think it's going to embolden them in how they engage. No no fear from from Joy Reid whatsoever. Should Fox have settled? That's 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 the question. Should Fox have settled? And I think that you go with the experts here and you state, my gosh, was there any other option? And why didn't they settle months ago? Now, what you heard from the lead guy there at Dominion Voting leads to a couple unique questions. Let me play that again. We're joined now by the CEO of Dominion Voting Systems, John Poulos. Thank you for coming in this morning. A lot of legal experts were surprised it took so long for this settlement to come about. What were the final sticking points? Um, Well, we weren't ready to settle until um, all of the facts that we had discovered had come to light in the public. Uh, That was something that we had committed to from the beginning. Uh, We had complete support uh, with our partners. Uh, They weren't going to settle until they could do the most amount of embarrassing of Fox. Get as much out in the public as possible. This is, this is an assumption on my part, but I, I think I'm on to something. Get as much out into the public as possible to be able to apply enough pressure to do enough damage. Get it done in the court of public opinion with such severity that they're going to say, my gosh, the last thing we want is a six-week trial, and we're putting Tucker up there and Hannity up there and this one up there and Suzanne Scott, the CEO. We do not need this. We're already getting enough crap. Just write the check. Good strategy. I don't know know what else I'm supposed to say. Good strategy. It worked. It worked. I don't believe that anybody should take from this that it is wrong to talk about the news, that it's wrong to talk about what a company is doing. Question uh, the election. I don't think there's anything wrong with questioning the 2020 election. I think you just got to do it uh, with a, a, a bit of legitimacy. You got to do it with a bit of, of, of honesty, not a bit of honesty, total honesty and legitimacy. You're allowed to say it. I've discussed the fact that if if I had been in Congress on January 6th, there's absolutely no way that I'd be okay with certifying the election results of Pennsylvania. And the reason is because they did not follow the system. They allowed the judiciary to make the decision and not the legislative. Notice I'm not talking about, well, these votes are invalid or these votes are valid and this and that. No, I'm discussing the reality that the legislature is to prescribe how the election goes, the time and the how, not the judiciary, not the judicial branch. And they did in Pennsylvania. And for that reason, a constitutional reason, I would have knocked it all out. If you ask me if I have an issue with two men or two women spending their lives together, the answer is no. Not at all. Doesn't bother me in the slightest. I believe that if you want to set up systems by which people get certain tax benefits, uh, you better open it up to all people who want to get those tax benefits. But I'm not in favor of Obergefell. I'm not in favor of the Obergefell decision because that creates a right out of whole cloth. Go change the law. Fine by me. And it was winning in the states, also fine by me. But don't ask the Supreme Court to create a right out of whole cloth, which is not what they do.
they can't decide that a right exists in in that regard. The Constitution says what it says and doesn't say what it doesn't say. But if you want to allow same-sex marriage, go about creating legislation that allows it. When I talk about Obergefell, for example, and people are like, oh, you're opposed to same-sex marriage, stop with your talking in your mouth and your face. You sound ridiculous. And you purposely sound ridiculous because you don't want to have the reasoned argument. You don't want to have the cogent conversation. You can talk about Dominion voting systems if you want to say, well, here's a country that doesn't use them, or here's an issue that I, that I think uh, it, it exists. It's different than saying they went out there and rigged an election. Those are different conversations. And what's going to happen is that some people are going to state that you're not allowed to have this conversation. And those people are as wrong as wrong can be. You can have any conversation you want, and you should. One of the the, the, the issues that comes from this settlement is a real question about how people who are content creators feel about free speech now. If you were to take everybody on talk radio, people like myself, take uh, everybody who's on Rumble, because why in the bloody hell would you be on YouTube? Uh, even though we do we do stream to YouTube because uh, it's a tool and we're just using them. We're just using them. That's all there is. Um, aren't they now in a position where they're like, wait a second, well, I said this or I said that. And am I now going to get sued for defamation? Because this this settlement really seems to me to be something that kind of jumpstarts that philosophy. That when in doubt, just sue for defamation. What's the worst that can happen? You end up with a couple bucks in your pocket? People who have the dollars and have the means, you can uh, sue them and get a couple bucks. And people who don't have the dollars and don't have the means, you can sue them out of existence, like a slap suit, S-L-A-P-P. Uh, a slap suit, strategic lawsuit against public participation. That's what it, what it stands for. And that happens, and it's done to get people to be silent. There's some real chilling crap that comes from this settlement. But the question before us was, should Fox have settled? And the answer is, there doesn't seem to be another move. There didn't seem to be another place for them to go. And the... Um, Communications from within that got that got released. The communications about oh, I, I don't know if I believe this or I I didn't I didn't read every single communicate communicate. Um, that that's damning and damaging stuff. I mean, it is what it is. It's damaging and damning stuff. And so what it creates is more reason to say, my God, what have we got here? And you went about saying something that you didn't necessarily believe because you thought the audience would like it. Never do that. Never do that. No. Trust me. I say enough things uh, about Donald Trump. I, I, I get called a fascist and a squish all in the same sentence. It's, it is special. It's fantastic. It, it's like if, 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 um, pick, pick your, your, your favorite person uh, on radio. Like, like, like uh, Dan Bongino. Good dude. Good man. Good dude. Uh, I don't always agree with him. He has said some things I absolutely disagree with. He's gone after friends on on air. I'm like, what are you doing? But if we were to discuss policy, right, we would have, I think we'd be pretty well aligned on the vast majority of policies. We'd have a much different way of engaging the conversation about getting there, right? How how we go about uh, uh, doing that. Okay. You have a different way, a different style. That's fine. But you're, 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 as long as you, as, as a content creator, 
are saying something that comes from the soul, engaging the conversation honestly, and not saying, oh, people like it. They're going to love it. Because that, man, uh, I think as, as a vet, the people who are successful will tell you, I think that really, that, that, that might like burn white hot, but it flames out super quick. Can't lie. Can't lie. Can't say, well, the audience likes it. Oh, they'll get mad at us if we don't do this. Um, honesty has to absolutely be the thing. It has to be the thing. Now, I've got much more to get to, so keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. The Dow is down 100. The NASDAQ is down really nothing. And Meta, which is Facebook, has started its layoffs. Well, its latest round of layoffs. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. You see, the economy is just fine. Why'd you ask? Everything's just perfect, guys. There is not a cloud in the sky. What are you kidding? Just happiness everywhere. Well, it's a sunny day. I feel brand new. Woo-hoo. Everything's great. A million things that I could do. Oh, he doesn't have a job anymore. No more jobs over there. I'm like the reverse Oprah. You don't have a job, and you don't have a job. Oh, look, there's Joe Biden walking down the street. Somebody get that man an ice cream cone. He just thinks everything's perfect. Far from it. Far, far from it. Uh, what is it? Um, uh, mortgage applications are down huge because interest rates are at 6.3%, which historically, pretty low. Modern history, pretty sucks. Round uh, Two rounds of layoffs, Meta is cutting 21,000 jobs in total. And so they're doing this not only because the economy is in the but because Zuckerberg made a massive bet on virtual reality. Massive, massive bet. And that bet fell apart. And they lost crazy, crazy share price. They did so poorly. Oh, it was a Jim Cramer of CNBC who was basically crying on set. I, I, I believe them. I'm such a fool. Oh, bad. Well, now the stock price is starting to come back because of these cuts, because it's, it's Wall Street. Yeah, the other sucker lost money, but look what they're doing now. I can make money on them. Here we go, people. Forgive and forget and let me cash out. That's the way. They're not necessarily wrong about that. But a lot of people got hurt listening to people uh, like Kramer. These are not the only people doing these uh, layoffs. And these are not the only layoffs. This is just the second round. Do I hear three? Get ready for it. Get ready for it. We are now seeing six of these Chinese police stations around the country. Congressman Jim Banks discusses that with me. This is Tony Katz today. Hey, 
have now across America multiple Chinese police stations. And these aren't police stations like they're helping people. They're outposts of the Chinese Communist Party uh, that are there to push communist Chinese interests, try and put an end to anybody who might be opposed to communist Chinese interests, and spying on American citizens and possibly others who may be speaking out against China. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, what's going on? Good to be with you. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com. TonyKatz.Locals.com. This is a threat, and it has to be dealt with. It has to be dealt with. You're going to have Chinese spy balloons. You're going to have these, uh, these uh, Chinese police stations, uh, much like the Confucius Institutes on college campuses, and the response is going to be nothing. That's, that is impossible. Congressman Jim Banks is of the Indiana 3rd District, Fort Wayne area, and the surroundings. He's also a candidate for Senate in the state of Indiana. And not only is he working on an anti-woke caucus, which I uh, spoke to him about, uh, we got into this conversation of these police stations because he was one of the first people to be talking about these Confucius Institutes and how to get them off campuses. And my question was simple. Where is Biden? Where is Congress? Where is leadership to do something about this? Uh, but here's here's the deal. We went from President Trump, who was tough on China, to President Biden, who's the weakest president that we've ever had on the China threat. And China is the, the greatest foreign threat, the biggest existential threat that America faces today. But here, here's what happened. President Trump uh, set up something called the China Initiative at the Department of Justice. When, when President Biden was sworn into office, he called that, that initiative, that DOJ initiative, xenophobic, and he canceled the D- Department of Justice's focus on the China threat in the United States of America. So here's, here's what we know. Six months ago, when I called on President Biden to address this, the, 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 these police offices are run by something called China's Public Security Bureau, which is sort of part of their their united front effort in in the United States. So Confucius Institutes, as you mentioned, are a part of this, but they set up these police stations in the United States to harass and intimidate Chinese Americans who are outspoken about the Chinese Communist Party. So this is happening in the United States of America, and President Biden's not doing anything about it. This week, finally, six months later, after I called on them to do something, the Department of Justice arrested two of these uh, these Chinese police officer officials for not having the right visas to be in the United States. So uh, too little, too late, a, a week. I'm, I'm glad that they made these arrests, but uh, another example of the weak posture of this administration after the spy balloon flew over the United States, they pretended like it didn't happen until uh, people were outraged looking up in the, into the sky about it. And now, in this case, setting up uh, these uh, these secret police stations. This is just the right. tip of the iceberg. So much more to do. What's interesting is that as we talk about what these police stations do, people see it as whoa, whoa, whoa. Were they trying to help people? No, no, no. These were outposts of the Communist Chinese Party, not only as the Confucius Institutes were on college campuses to try and promote China and prevent anybody from speaking poorly about China. We know that in the case of one of the New York. Uh, police stations there controlled by the Communist Chinese Party. They were spying on American citizens who happened to be pro-democracy people regarding
regarding China. They were spying on citizens, and Lord knows what you do with that spying. Is there going to be an espionage charge here? Is there something that's going to happen from the congressional side to try and and engage? If Biden won't act, what's Congress's plan? Yeah, that's such a great question. I mean, here's the deal. Just like the spy balloon, the Biden administration wouldn't have done anything about it if we wouldn't have called attention to it. I mean, they would have pretended like the the balloon in the sky isn't isn't uh, flying over the United States. In this case, they would have pretended like these police stations didn't exist, even though uh, the the Chinese were pretty, uh, pretty bold and, and, and outspoken about these stations, these police stations being in the U.S. So uh, they, but they but the point, the, the big point, Tony, is that the, the police, these these uh, secret police stations that are so secret um, are illegal. They're already illegal. And and the Department of Justice, the Biden administration is just ignoring it. They're, the only reason that they made these two arrests this week is because the new Republican majority in the House is calling attention to it. So first and foremost, enforce existing laws and arrest these people and get them out of the United States. This is why we set up the new select committee on on the Chinese Communist Party that I'm a part of, drawing attention to issues like this. We're going to continue to do it. But but the bot the bottom line here is the administration must act. And if they if they won't act, then then members of Congress like myself are going to are going to be outspoken and embarrass the administration, but enforce the existing law. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, candidate for Senate in the state of Indiana. Uh, we've uh, we've seen um, uh, certainly a level of bipartisanship when it comes to China. We've seen some resolutions uh, go through uh, with a tremendous amount of Democrat support. Uh, it's It's almost uplifting to see uh, that at least on the subject of China, we're not all crazy. We're not all representative Jamal Bowman. What is the, is, is the pressure going to be on Biden to do something about this in a bipartisan matter? Or do you believe Democrats are going to try and rally the troops against an action on China? Because after all, you don't want to provoke China. It's always one of those hands off things. You got to worry about how they feel about stuff. Yeah, in one of our recent select committees on the Chinese Communist Party, I asked a uh, actually a, a Uyghur Chinese American who's in who has uh, come to the United States is now now an American. His mom, by the way, is being still being held captive as a Uyghur slave uh, in China by the by the Chinese Communist Party. I, I asked him about this, this this important question that you're that uh, I think you're you're getting to. Tony, the, the Chinese Communist Party uses charges like xenophobia and racism, and they, they use those as political tactics. You have Jamal Bowman and Joe Biden and others who fall under this trap and repeat these these lines and the the rhetoric of our biggest enemy uh, to try to push us back and and uh, push us away from getting tough on China. And that 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 that. Uh, that that in and of itself is is preventing us from holding China accountable and pushing back on the biggest threat that we face that wants to wipe the United States off of the off of the face of the uh, of the uh, off of off of the map. So uh, we have to we have to be tougher. I, I hope Democrats will more and more so come to the table. But I got to tell you, the last five years have been very disappointing. As w- with COVID, 
uh, with what the Chinese have done to steal our jobs. Now with fentanyl, 99% of fentanyl coming into America is made in China. And forget our- just the fentanyl, although I don't want to forget fentanyl, sir. I don't want to interrupt you. You have got Chinese nationals coming across the border and being allowed across the border as if somehow they just miraculously ended up coming from Beijing to Colombia and walking their way north. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, uh, there is a photo, and it is a photo that was over there at uh, dailycaller.com. And what this photo shows is a man alleged uh, to be controlling this um, Chinese police station in New York And the photo is with uh, some other Asian men, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, and Chuck Schumer, the Senate majority leader, of course, uh, Democrat. When you see photos like that, we've seen uh, Eric Swalwell and the Chinese spy Fang Fang. We saw that Senator Dianne Feinstein had a driver who was connected to the Chinese Communist Party. There is a serious level of infiltration already happening, connections already being made, and certainly photos like that one with Senator Schumer and Mayor Adams and this uh, alleged perpetrator of this police station that don't look good. Now, these all happen to be Democrats in this case. Is it that Democrats are more trusting? Is it that Democrats are easier to infiltrate? Or is it that, oh, no, no, they're infiltrating Republicans too. We just haven't gotten to them yet. Well, that used to be the case, Tony. I mean, I I really believe that the shift in American politics away from the Republican Party being the party of of corporate America and Wall Street interest is the reason that you're seeing Democrats in these photos and not not Republicans. The Democrats are owned and controlled by multinational corporate interests in this country who have for years sold us out, sold our jobs out, our our good paying, hardworking, blue collar jobs to China, our biggest enemy. And that's why you see Chuck Schumer uh, uh, chumming it up with 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 uh, Chinese Communist Party officials. That's why you see uh, Eric Swalwell uh, literally sleeping with our enemy and the Democrats sweeping it under the rug uh, because the Democrats don't have room here to oppose the Chinese Communist Party because they're owned by interests that are owned by the Chinese Communist Party. So that's the shift in American politics today. Republicans have have uh, in a very healthy way distanced ourselves from those corporate interests that sell us out to China. It's why it's why Donald Trump in Nashville at the RNC over the weekend said the old Republican Party is gone and it's not coming back. It's because of those Trump policies that made us the party of the working class, not the party of corporate America, have distanced us from those those Chinese Communist Party interests. One of the other things that you're working on uh, right now is. Uh, a uh, anti-woke caucus, as it's described. Newsweek uh, says it as Jim Banks plans anti-woke caucus to bolster GOP's war on wokeness. And one of the ways you hear this described is that you hear this described as, oh, the Republicans in their culture war again. Republicans starting a culture war. Every single day, it's it, it's you wascally Republicans starting a culture war as opposed to responding to the war that was brought upon you. Is this a lot of show and just bluster here? What do you what what is an anti woke caucus? In in seriousness, what is the objective? If a year from now, when we talk about it, what will you have gotten accomplished? Yeah, Tony, wokeism is a war on America, and uh, I'm a doer. I'm I'm a I'm a Navy Reserve officer. Uh, used to be logistics officer in the Navy. I've worked in in a business. 
I believe in action and in getting things done. And that's why I started the caucus to bring members of Congress together to develop a strategy to cut the head off the snake of wokeism and, and uh, the government uh, flow of dollars that are funding it. And that's why last week I sent 12 letters to all 12 of the appropriations subcommittee chairs uh, in this new Republican majority and gave all of them a list of line items in the budget under their control of where we can defund wokeism in the federal government. I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of good examples. Eight, $8.6 million for gender advisory programs at the Pentagon for the Department of Defense, or $34 million for the Office of Diversity in the Department of Energy, or here's one of my, my favorite, $95 million for climate change at the Department of Veteran Affairs. What the hell is the Department of Veteran Affairs doing uh, uh, related to, to climate change? $200 million for Global Equity Gender Fund at the State Department. So. Oh, in each of these appropriations subcommittees, they, there's lots of room here to, we're talking about $32 trillion national debt and where we're going to go to cut wasteful spending. Let's start with woke programs like uh, like uh, the Homeland Security Depart uh, uh, Department. Tony, you'll, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, ICE uh, is only allowed to detain transgender illegals who come over the border in facilities that uh, where the staff has had LGBTQ plus uh, a sensitivity training. So how much did that cost? How about we defund that if we want to cut wasteful stuff? So, so the objective here is you're, you, you don't think you could stop the people from being woke, but you could starve the resources from the implementation of these things. Is it your belief that these uh, things, uh, as you see them, uh, are are keeping America from its task. If, if, if we talk about the Southern border, um, is, is it this kind of program that's keeping the border porous? Yeah. Uh, uh, look, the, what can members of Congress do? We can, we can defund these programs. Yeah. I'm, 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 I've declared war on wokeism. It's why I started the anti-woke caucus. And, you know, I'm also chairman of the, of the uh, military personnel subcommittee on Hask, and our mission there is to get wokeism out of out of the military and hold military officials accountable for those those who are pushing anti-Americanism and this uh, ideology onto our troops. I'm on the education committee. There's so much we have to do to save our kids uh, for being exposed to this garbage that's polluting their minds and teaching them that America is anything but the greatest country in the history of the world. So. This is a this is a war on wokeism. I, again, I'm the, the whole point of the caucus is to get members of Congress together with outside experts and others to look for ways that we can cut the head off the snake, stop funding these programs. The Biden administration from the outset has enacted executive orders that have pushed DEI programs in every single federal agency or department. And that has trickled down from the federal government to the state government to local government with dollars that are tied to grants that go to each level of government from the federal government. So there's so much here to do, Tony. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. But I'm going to do my part. That, that's why I'm bringing members of Congress together to strategize. Congressman Jim Banks, I appreciate the time. Uh, Banks.house.gov. He's also a candidate for Senate in the state of Indiana. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz.
If it wasn't bad enough regarding the settlement with Fox and Dominion voting, because everyone takes it in every political way, it's not. If it wasn't bad enough with the Communist Chinese Party spying on the United States of America, how about the fact that Donald Trump, former president of the United States, you've seen pictures, ladies and gentlemen, he is now releasing a second set of digital trading cards. Oh, God! True story. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. OMG. Are you kidding me right now? Nope. Not at all. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Oh, I'm going to get yelled at. Oh, why are you attacking Trump? He can sell these cards. You can't sell anything, Katz. You win. He can sell these cards. $99 a piece. $99 a piece. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. He sold 47,000 NFTs. No, no, wait, no, 45,000 NFTs in the first round. This one's going to be 47,000. And Trump got somewhere between half a million and a million dollars from that collection. This according to filings with the U.S. Office of Government Ethics. That's some loot. That's real. I, I, I actually, I must admit, on the first round, I knew, I do know people who bought them, and I'm pretty sure they bought them just because they figured it might go up in value. Hey, it's an investment. It's worth a shot. Let's give it a go. I, people bought them because they're serious about having them, or they just figured it's a way to be supportive, and they're supporting them anyway, so what the heck? There's a market for everything. I, I really don't understand the cards for this. I, I think it looks... Ridiculous. I do. I think it looks absolutely ridiculous. But what he might very well be proving is that there's a market and satisfy the market. And you might see DeSantis and others do the same. Just the question will be, what kind of success will they have in selling them? As for me, I'm not doing trading cards. Just OnlyFans. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today.